Hello, everybody. We're back. We back. Episode five. That is five. Wow. That's crazy. I feel um, like a pro. I feel like a veteran. Well, now we're on kind of like a, like on the real schedule now. My dad texted me this morning and he was like mad that there wasn't an episode out this week. He was like, I went to the gym this morning and I like opened up Spotify to listen to it and there's just nothing there. I was like, well, we're on every other week now. And yeah. He was like, Get on the schedule, dad. <laughs> I um, said, well, we're recording two today and the next one will be out on Monday. So now he knows. There's a couple people who don't even do music that have been listening to the podcast just to yeah. like learn more about something, I guess. I don't know. But they've, those people have said they really like it. So I'm happy to, happy to be here. We'll say I am extremely tired today. Just got done with my part-time job. That's right. Morning. It was a 5 a.m. morning this morning. I am... It's about 2 p.m. now. I am in the middle of a mix comparing how our days have been. I mixed this morning. Actually, I did a lot of... We're really tying it back to the last one. I did a lot of administrative stuff this morning because um, today is April 14th, which means that taxes are due Monday. And I will be out of town this weekend, so... I am trying to get caught up by tomorrow before I leave. So chasing down invoices and getting things closed out and organizing and getting everything all together. And yeah, so you going home to Lakeland. Yep. I will be in Lakeland. And if you're just hearing that now, it'll be (laughs) two weeks too late. (laughs) You miss me. Actually, when this episode airs which will be May 1st I will be back in Lakeland as you are listening to this currently now I will be back in Lakeland in two weeks for a few days I just spent 10 days in Atlanta it's Easter week oh that's right yeah a lot of of services to play yeah Easter week Getting your extracurricular, not really extracurricular, it's just that that diverse, like, music day-to-day thing you're talking about, like, it went and played live. That's fun. Yeah. I'm jealous. It's good. Um, it's where I grew up, so, I mean, it's good to get back. It's pretty uh, easy environment in the sense of, like, I know everybody there. Yeah. Familiar. Familiar. Just go in, do my job, hang out with the people that I grew up with. It's a, it's a fun time. Um, yeah, but it's, uh, it's been weird being back in Nashville because cause I was sick for a long while and I kind of put a couple projects on hold. And then I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go to Atlanta for 10 days pretty much and I'm going to be mu- doing music every day of those 10 days. So I'm going to use that as like my catalyst to jump back into the projects that I've been working on and I've had a session like every day this week or at least doing something so it's been nice to get back into the groove of things that's nice that's great I've been I'm kind of coming off of almost like a week off 
um, just kind of like a natural dip in work where um, I'm like closing out some longer term projects and opening up some new ones. Um, <laughs> but in that kind of handoff period, I also haven't gotten any like immediate work like editing for about a week. Um, so it's been kind of nice. The weather's finally gotten nice here. I spent a lot of time outside, like got a lot of just my personal to-do list done, take care of myself a little bit. It's been a great, great kind of pause from just lots of work and kind of going nonstop and got me out of the house. And I feel, feel very like creatively refreshed. Like I like genuinely felt a difference when I like started working again yesterday um, on some stuff. I was like, I actually feel like I don't feel just miserable and like <laughs> feel like I'm just spinning my wheels or just like I'm, I'm excited to do work again. And I, I, I kind of didn't realize that I wasn't in that place until I took a day a few days off and then got back and I was like, Oh, I, I like music. <laughs> I like doing this. Yeah. I, um, I'm getting that writing bug again, man. Yeah. To be honest, like for you, for me, wow. For me. Yeah. You heard it here first. It doesn't, doesn't come around very often, but I like, no, I remember how I felt when I was like writing a lot of music and recording a lot of music for myself. And I can feel those, those feelings, that energy, like kind of coming back a little bit. I think it has something to do with like going to Atlanta, staying with my parents for a couple days and not really having much responsibility. Um, Yeah think it because writing writing for me is always something that comes very like secondary isn't even the right term like fourth dairy <laughs> uh quote quaternary or something <laughs> i don't know i i like fourth dairy fourth dairy <laughs> fourth dairy um no but it's i'd say it's moved on to like third dairy <laughs> i think that would be tertiary actually tertiary tertiary Man, I don't care. I do. I, there's a reason I do music. Third, I like third dairy, fifth dairy, sixth dairy. Um, but yeah, it's been. Uh, I feel like. Feel like I might be writing, for myself, here pretty soon. Well, that's very cool. Which excites me because I don't know what the hell I'm gonna make. <laughs> that's the best part of it. Um, speaking of. Speaking of writing and producing, got any got any tricks to share with the people that you've been? Um, How's yes. the Ableton grind? Um, I love it. It's you great. Love it? Yeah, it's great. Um, I'm once so I, close to switching, dude. You should. Once I figured out how to zoom, <laughs> it was game over. <laughs> yeah, that tax return is coming in, and it might be going to like Ableton. Yeah. If you have a credit card, you can do a monthly payment plan on it. And it's like, I don't know how much it is, but I kind of, I kind of cheated the system a little bit. Get it. Speaking of, we have to talk about this just for a little bit, just to hop on the bandwagon. Speaking yeah. of monthly payments. Oh, waves. So this is, that's actually perfect because that was kind of going to be my like quote mix trick. Yeah. My mix trick lately has been not using waves plugins. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
They're like the new guitar center. <laughs> yeah, man, that I have I have never seen such unified hate for like a company's decision. Should it, we it should we awesome. fill people in for those who don't know yeah, what happened? Yeah. So if you don't know what happened, um, Waves a few weeks ago, as of today, it's a plug-in I, I think, company. Um, I guess it'll be. Yeah, it, it was it was earlier this month, early April. Um, just completely out of nowhere with no indication, just emailed everybody on a Sunday morning and said, hey, effective immediately, um, we are no longer selling individual plugins. We are only doing subscription model. And there's two tiers, and all the plugins that you use are in the higher tier. <laughs> and it's like $30 a month or something. And if you want... They got rid of Wave up, Waves Update Plan, which was kind of a good move because Wave, Waves Update Plan is a ripoff. But for people who have already bought plugins, the only way to get updates is if you subscribe to their subscription. So there are people who like literally just bought like the Mercury bundle for like thirty five hundred bucks or whatever to to own everything, and they're like, so I can't update my plugins now when a new version comes out, I have to subscribe to this. So I already gave you $3,000 and now you're telling me I need to give you an extra 30 to 35 a month or whatever it is. So it was, it was awesome. I've, I have hated waves as a company for a long time. Um, and just kind of had to use their stuff for other projects. And I, and I, there are some stuff from, there is some stuff from them that I really do like, but, um, anyway, uh, yeah, they basically just gave the middle finger to every loyal customer for that they've had for they've been around for like thirty years. So, I mean, everybody, everybody, like absolutely went off on waves, um, and it was awesome. It was it was like such a show of unity. <laughs> the people rose up. <laughs> yeah, dude, the people rose up, and um, it was so funny. There was like. I mean, within hours, like somebody already had made a Google, like a public Google sheet of listing all of the Waves plugins and then um, like opened it up for people to put in their recommendations for replacements for every single one. So like I found that link and put it into like tiny URL and made a custom link and it was like tinyurl.com slash Waves sucks. And I put and I commented it on Waves' post. Um it was it was just awesome, um, and then a few days later they they finally came back and we were like, okay, we're actually we're going to do subscriptions still, but we're also going to roll back to what we had before perpetual licenses. So, um, yeah, but where I stand with that is, um, I never liked their company in the first place. Their plugins are good. There's a a, a couple of them that are great and very useful. But ultimately, I, I think a lot of people realize that they're very replaceable. Um, and it kind of showed me that, like, Waves does not, like, Waves doesn't care about me. They don't care about their customer. This proves that. Even though they correct like corrected their mistake, they still did it without, like, any notice. Like, it was a very, very slimy move. And... Um, so that was like, okay, well, I'm just going to try not to use their plugins anymore because 
like this just goes to show that they could change their mind at any time. And like, if I have an old session like that, I have to pull stems from, from a couple years back and it has waves plugs on it and they don't work with like the new Mac OS and I can't update it. Like I'm not like that sucks. So like, because I value like my work and, um, like just want to be thoughtful and preserving work and being able to make things easier for like people I work with. I'm trying not to use their stuff because I just, uh, I just don't trust them. So my biggest changeover has been, I use CLA 76 a lot, like as just like go to a quick 76 plug. Yeah. Just super easy. It sounds good. It's fine. Whatever. Um, so that was the first one that I replaced and I replaced it with the purified audio, um, VU comp. It's from Sampura and it's an 11, it's a three different 1176s and a LA3A. Um, and it's just perfect. It like, it just works exactly how you want it. It has, um, a THD knob so you can turn down the amount of like total harmonic distortion. Um, there's like a post and pre EQ built into it. There's a no analog button, which I think is stupid. Like having an analog button is stupid. Like why would I want 60 Hertz hum in my track? Um, it's great. And they had it on sale in response to waves screwing up. So I, I bought it for like 35 bucks or something and it's been amazing. So maybe waves was just looking out for other plugin companies. Honestly, they really, they really did just totally hand the ball to like every other, every other plugin company. Yeah. And some of them really capitalized on it. Like, um, like purified and, uh, like even SSL like came out and was like, uh, Oh yeah, we're going to, we're going to put everything on sale and we're going to start offering stuff individually when they weren't even, they didn't originally. Oh, so. I wish I knew that because that's pretty much the only waves I use three waves plugins pretty much. I use sibilance. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I love sibilance. I use uh, the uh, SSL channel, the new one. I guess it's EV2 is what it's called now. Mm-hmm. That one's nice. Nice little preamp section in there. Oh, man, I'm I'm promoing them right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you shouldn't buy these plugins. Right. You should... You should go just get an SSL console instead. Oh, I mean, Plugin Alliance is yeah. amazing. The, I use the SSL stuff from Plugin Alliance all the time. Um, and then I use some multiband compressor, but like F6 or something. Uh, oh, that's the dynamic. Yeah, I think it's uh, Lin MB. Oh, what's the name of it? I don't know. It was like yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's it's okay. Um, I use. Mostly UAD now, but I try not to, like I use Pro-Q mm-hmm. and like it solves most of my problems. Yeah. Because the way yeah. I record, I feel like you know this better than most people. I, I like just get wacko sounds that don't need, that I try not to treat in the box yeah. most of the time. Like I record vocals through like guitar pedals and all that stuff. So like I try to like... I try to get everything compressed in there right. and then my mixing is pretty, I just try not to use 
bunch yeah. of plugins. Something I've realized, been thinking about a lot lately is like really mixing just boils down to EQ and compression. Um, you think so? Yeah. What about like balance and panning? Um, well, yeah, but as far as plugins go, well, I think, well, just generally as a, as a concept, like I've been like trying to like work on using limiters more and like being more comfortable with it. And like, if you have a really boomy vocal that you're compressing or, or limiting, it's still going to be the first thing that's going to hit the limiter is the boominess. Mm -hmm. So when you're talking about trying to make things less dynamic and more to cut through more, that is, is very dependent on the EQ of the source material. So like if something's really sparkly, you push it up into a limiter, it's going to get more sparkly almost. Um, and, uh, I think, I think those two elements are the things that are most like directly intertwined and that I think it's something that I have overlooked for a long time. And I'm thinking about that a lot more and being really careful with how I'm EQing and how that reacts, how that um, interacts with all my compression and, and I mean, any dynamic processing. Um, yeah. Where I, I don't know how to rein this back to what we're actually no, talking it's, about. <laughs> it's, all, it's all good. Um, here, let me try to rein it back. Uh, Waves, the the business move that they decided to make was a red flag yes, for it me was. Uh, with their company. I agree. But I never really used their plugins to begin with, so I was kind of separated. However, for most people, red flag. Yes. Which goes into what we're talking about today, which is red flags in regards to choosing clients, uh, scheduling work, scheduling rights. I yeah. Know, yeah. I think just kind of just like red flags with people, red, <laughs> I don't know, red flags with like how you want to run your business or, or the people that you choose to run your business with. Yes. Um, or that you choose to interact with through your business maybe. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like it goes without saying. I've had a lot of lot of rough experiences, um, especially when I like really first started just making music with anybody because that's kind of what you do, I guess, when you when that's what I did, at least when I started was just saying yes to everything. Yeah. Getting as much experience as possible. I feel like um, I'm still extremely young in my career. However, I feel like I've hit a lot of the the major, the major, uh, the major starting red flags, I suppose. Yeah. Um, like that first handful of stuff that you learn and like my red learn uh, from my prerequisite red flags. Yeah, it's like you. It, it's the. Oh, I felt like I had a metaphor pop in my head, and then I, and I was like, "That's just not a thing." I don't even know what I was trying to think of. It's just like. Yeah, I don't know. I I shouldn't have chased that rabbit. It didn't exist. The rabbit didn't exist. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's exactly what you said. It's a pre like the prerequisite red flags. Like you have to check these off in order to like build a good career. You gotta learn character. from 
yeah, build character. You got to learn from either doing it yourself or uh, listening to other people who have experienced it. But still even probably doing it yourself. Yeah, the thing with these red flags is I feel like, uh, especially when you're starting out, you can try to justify putting up with them yeah, for a little a bit, point. you yeah. know? Um, and I am pretty confident that even if we tell you these red flags, you're probably just going to have to mess up and deal with them at some point anyways, just yeah. because, especially if you're starting out, you're eager to work, mm-hmm. eager to make music. And that's, that's great. Keep as much as that of that as you can, but just keep these, keep these things in mind when you're starting to collaborate with more and more people, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. Like more, more money, more problems. Like, (laughs) like the more, the bigger your business gets and the more you grow your clientele, I think the more careful you have to be because, um, you can't, you can't afford to be super lenient with everybody. Um, and, uh, I guess you don't really want word to get around that you're super flexible. Like you you have to treat yourself like a professional. Um, I think that you should, that's not to say you shouldn't be as flexible as you can for people who value you and try to provide the best experience possible and, um, go out of your way to make other people's lives easier, um, or make them have a better experience. But, um, yeah, like it, it's things you got to nip in the bud early. Otherwise it'll, it, it can snowball into a thing and keep you stuck at the bottom. Especially um, when there's commitment involved. Like there's some red flags that come up maybe in just like a one-off kind of session thing. And if you're not careful on dealing with those I feel like when you start, if you keep working with those people, you're probably going to do more songs. Like, right. Um, like I, I was doing a single one time for this girl and there was like talk of an EP being involved and all this stuff. And there were just some things that came up like red flag wise. And I just put them off. This was years ago, but I put them off. And before I knew it, I had committed to like an EP and so it was between me, like, just calling off the project and kind of putting myself in a tough place because it's like now I'm the guy who can't follow through with his commitments on projects. Right. And it was either that or putting up with the red flags, you know, putting yeah. up with the toxicity of that work environment, I suppose. So yeah, I chose I, the uh, the first option. Yeah. I think that made me think of, like... um you should try to be protective of like your future self. Yeah. Because if you, I mean, just a really practical example. If you quote somebody on a discount now and they end up not doing it right away and they come back three months later and they're like, Hey, the song is ready. You might have just had a boom and you don't have time. And now you're like, you have like committed to a project on a discount that you don't have the time for. Yeah. Um, 
So not only are you losing money on your rate, but you're also losing money because you have to take time out of your already busy, busy schedule to finish this discounted project. Right. Um, so it's kind of the like temptation of, um, kind of, we were saying before, like low hanging fruit. Yeah. And like, Oh, I just need, I'm not busy. So I'm going to take this work because I just need the work or I need the money. Like that could end up kind of screwing yourself, um, in the, in the future, near future. Um, anyway, I think, I feel like that's a good, uh, like thesis paragraph. Like, so, uh, what's your, I think we have a few picked out. What, what's your, what's your number one? You want to go through them one by one maybe? Yeah. I'll, I'll say one, you say one. Yeah. Um, I can't think of a better term. This term, I guess, sounds slightly misogynistic. Okay. I don't mean it in that way. But the whole, like, daddy's money concept when it comes to payment for your project. Um, and I think what I mean by that is money coming from somewhere that wouldn't hold as much value as if, like, I made money myself and I'm paying for this project, I guess. Yeah. Or, like, there's a label giving me money for this project, which gives me motivation to complete it, I suppose. Yeah. It's like the personal responsibility yeah. behind it. Yeah. And I, I think my main experience with that has been working with people whose parents or somebody else is paying for their project and they really don't care about what's happening as much. Mm-hmm. And when somebody else is paying for your project, when you're not putting your own money on the project, I feel like that can result in a few things of like not really being as committed to like showing up for sessions. Like right. I've noticed with people that are getting their projects paid for by somebody else, they cancel the most, show up the latest and do the least during the sessions. Yeah. Um, I think my experience has been like the artist who sits on the couch on their phone while you're on the computer and you look back and try to ask for feedback on the project or maybe some more direction. And they're kind of just like, oh, yeah, sounds good. Yeah. Maybe, maybe try this mm-hmm. blah, 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 where it's not like, okay, my money's on the line. I need to make this song happen. Like, let me give my producer as much direction as possible. Let me do this. Let me do that. And it's, it's just, it's just an awkward, awkward vibe. Yeah. It's almost like, like relating that to myself. It's almost like the difference between how I treated school and how like Abigail treats school. Like I, um, I'm paying for a, a portion of my school, but my parents paid for a lot of it. Um, and then scholarships and stuff. Um, but I didn't really care about school. Like I didn't really care if I skipped a class. I wasn't really super concerned about my grades. I like hated being there the whole time. Um, I didn't love my program, all that. And the amount that I did put into it financially, I was like just salty about, I, it, it, it didn't motivate me. Whereas like Abigail and Abigail is my girlfriend, by the way. Um, and she's, freaking brilliant. Um, she's like, has paid to put herself through school completely on her own Mm -hmm. with no financial aid and she is killing it. Um, but she 
loves school and like it is a personal investment for her um, that she's taking on the loan. She's paying down things where she can. Um, and she shows up. She does well. She does the work. She's committed. Um, that was not how I was in school. Yeah. And, um, Way to I be think, vulnerable. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to kind of do the like the pastor move of like, well, let's. I mean, well, let me let me show her, share how I'm a sinner, like kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, I, I think when you are personally invested, it is going to motivate you to be present and committed and see things through and make sure that things are as good as they can be. Like that's how Abigail approaches school. It's not how I approach school. Mm. And I don't think it's a, um, causation as much. Like if you don't pay for school, you don't care about it. That's right. not true, but it's a very strong correlation. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, and those words I learned from Abigail. Way to go. Um, yeah, I think people who are putting themselves through school are more likely to care about it and show up and do well. Same goes for if somebody's has saved up and um, even if, sorry, I'm hijacking your point. No, kinda, you're good. I would say even if somebody has been squirreling away money that their parents have been giving them, like as gifts or something, and they're choosing to spend that on getting a song done, like they're going to, they're, those are the people who are going to show up mm -hmm. um, regardless of where the money originally came from. From It's still their choice. Um, so yeah, just wanted to connect a, connect a dot there. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I think it's a good point to say that those things are correlated, but it's not always the case. Mm -hmm. Like there's some people who, get money from their parents and still work hard. And like, yeah, that's yeah. great. But when we're talking about red flags, we're talking about things to look out for that m more times, more often than not results in something that hurts, right. hurts yeah. you. I get, yeah. I mean, a red flag is caution for, the, for these kind of things. It's, it's hard to say that it's not a one size fits all thing, right. but it case is like a, almost like a, like most likely to be a red flag kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. That I think that's my first one, and I I, I feel like um, that. I mean, when you're twenty, twenty, twenty one, twenty two years old, and you're like charging pretty high rates for especially college students, mm -hmm. like you're bound to probably get some work where the money might not be coming from the artist directly because they right. might not be able to afford something like that. Yeah. And, so that's probably something you're going to have to run into and sometimes it works out, but I'd say if you can steer away from something like that, if you have the option to maybe choose another project mm -hmm. that pays the same, I would suggest going. Yeah. It's something to be wary of. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, Number two. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess I'll go. Um, kind of on the same lines of, of money and cost, um, I would say, um, people who are like j just very, I don't know, they haggle people who try to haggle and negotiate your cost down like overly, overly. So like not really like, cause there's some people that can come at it and say like, Hey, we have this amount of budget. Is there any way you can come down? this much 
and it's not significant. But if someone's like can only pay half your rate and they're kind of being like mean about it, like, um, yeah, we can't afford that. Like all we can do is this, like if they're not, if it's not a project that you really, really want to be involved with, like send them somewhere else. Like it's just not, it is almost never worth the time. Um, Especially if they put the ball in your court. Right. That's the thing about that that makes me the most mad is when somebody's like, oh, I can't afford that. Could you go any lower? And then you have to come up. They they make you come up with Mm. the new price. Yeah, you have to kind of guess. And and that's representative of a few things. They don't have any budget at all. Right. Like pre-planned. Yep. And they're trying to hire somebody. That's a red flag in and of itself, I guess. Yeah. Red flag within a red flag, red right. flag inception. Yeah. But um, yeah, sorry, hijacked you. No, you're but. good. Um, yeah. It, um, people who, that's a good point about like kind of keeping a number to themselves or not having a number because that shows that they haven't thought about it. Yeah. They're not planning. Um, they haven't committed to the idea of the project yet um, or just haven't thought it through and, um, if somebody comes at you and says, Hey, I have been working on this project. I have these songs written. I have this whole plan laid out. This is my budget. That's one thing when they're transparent about everything. Um, that can be a good situation where you have the option to say like, well, send me the demo. Like, let me listen to it. Let me see if, let me see what we can work out. Like, I'm, I'm I always say like, um, yeah, just let's see if we can work something out. Yeah. Um, and if you can't, no hard feelings. Um, but it's the people who kind of don't have a plan, don't have a budget or, or aren't transparent about it or anything like that. Those are the people that, it, I mean, those projects are almost always not worth the time. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I think the just the haggling and just excessive haggling is, is a big red, big red flag for me. Mm-hmm. Um, especially like, I mean, and I've made this mistake in the last couple months of, um, I like some, someone reached out for this kind of random project and I told them how much it would cost. And they were like, I can't do that can you go any lower? And then I was kind of like, okay, well, I guess I can kind of do this if I structure it this way. Um, and then they were like, can you meet me at whatever number? And I was like, okay, fine. And it was absolutely not worth it. Um, and, uh, yeah, it, it, so I ended up coming down more than 50% probably what I would have normally charged. And that is just not a good situation. Um, you lost money probably or time, which equals money. I lost time and I lost, um, sanity. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so, which is valuable. Sanity is pretty valuable. (laughs) Um, and I think it, I mean, it contributed to the, like, like I said, at the beginning of this one, this episode, like I, I kind of didn't realize I was getting a little bit burnt, burnt out. Um, that project definitely contributed to it because I, I was, I, I hated working on it and it made me hate my job. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, excessive haggling without, uh, transparency. 
yeah, big red flag for me. I think it's important to touch because you kind of touched on how you would say no to something like that. Let's see what we can work with. I always try to just be like, well, if this is your budget, I'm not going to be able to do the exact work that you want me to do. If you yeah. want me to mix your song, um, I'm not going to be able to do it for that amount. However, I could do this work on your song for you for that right. amount of money. That's what I try to do at least yeah. just so, cause like you're not trying to burn bridges right. necessarily. Like there's a difference between drawing a boundary with certain people, like with certain artists and being like, no, I, I value myself more than that. Mm -hmm. And just like burning a bridge with them and being like, <laughs> I can't, I'm, I'm disrespected that you even like right. thought, even if I do feel disrespected, like, I don't know if I necessarily want to like model my life and career in mm -hmm. that way. I would rather be like, this is what I can do for you. If that's not worth it, then put the ball in their court for them to say no to you. Right. In some, in some ways, I hope that didn't come through, but, I think it was good. but sometimes, sometimes you just need to say no. Sometimes you need to just cut it off. Nope. Not going to work. Don't think we're going to be able to work anything out. Right. But I try my best not to cut off all um, chances of working with that right. person necessarily. Yeah, yeah exactly. Th yeah, that's a good point. Don't, yeah, you don't want to just be a jerk. Yeah. If you feel disrespected, don't be a jerk. You need to have the self-awareness too. I think that's the self-awareness and the humility to just to like kind of be gracious with that. I mean, I keep using all these pastor words. I'm, Man, just, okay. I'm just feeling it's it where, It's where we came from. <laughs> I know, dude. I, I, I Listening back to all these podcasts, I'm like, gosh, I'm using so many Presbyterian words. <laughs> Um, yeah, we're just working with depraved, <laughs> depraved, <laughs> depraved sinners. Uh, just kidding. Um, yeah, uh, I totally forgot what I was saying. Um, talking about, you don't want to be a jerk. Yeah. You want to have humility. Yeah. And yeah, be gracious in how you like handle those situations because like you said, you don't want to burn a bridge. Like, yeah. Cause like someone may come back still with a after they've improved a lot or have a better situation or have done more planning and it's something you're excited about. Yeah. You want to preserve as many relationships as you can in all of this. Um, but value, value yourself and your business enough to know when to say no and say no nicely. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, yeah. Well, that's my number one. Your number cool. two. Technically this is number three, but this is my number two. Um, well, my number two was cutting a deal guy, which oh, okay, yeah, which goes into that. So I guess I'll skip to um, um between the two. I'm gonna say I wrote this down. Um, not getting a lot of information on the front end about a project. Um, in regards to like I, I've gotten messages before that are like, "Hey man, I got these songs. I feel like you would add a lot to them." Yeah. When it's when the the work is not set in stone of like what exactly I'm going to be doing, they don't really come at you with a budget. Just not a lot of like just overall direction. No timeline. No timeline. Just a just a, a compliment and a very vague description on what they want you to be doing. Mm -hmm. um, I've definitely experienced that. I don't know how much we're gonna be able to. That might be a little niche. That might be a little bit more on your end because you're doing more producing and writing. Than yeah. Them. Um, but yeah, I've, I mean, 
it is always kind of annoying um, when like you're you don't have a ton of work and you're trying to fill your schedule and you get some sense of a lead but you can't get any information out of somebody yeah. that's kind of my experience with it is like somebody reaches out about a potential project like you try to get more info I, I like I, I said that really weird more more info, more info. <laughs> um, um, and you like follow up and stuff and then but they're just gone like they don't reply or don't give you any clear answers like because you you're trying to fill a schedule yeah. you want to know great when you when are you thinking what's your budget yeah like, when are you looking when to can start? I put this on the calendar like when do you want to release what like what are all these things like let me let's get this down I'm I'm ready um and when somebody initiates something and then like just doesn't follow through or doesn't give you any information like that, that for me is like the worst feeling in, in doing this, especially doing this full time is being like on the hook or like right. being led on. Right. Oh, it's, I, I hate it. I, it's, it is the, my least favorite part about doing this is the like, Hey, we have these songs uh, we'll coming you, to you soon. Yeah, we'll hit you in a couple. We, we're finishing up, blah blah blah, right now. Right. We need to record. We all we need to do is record this and this, and we'll get back to you in nine times out of ten. Right. They don't get back. And to it's you. like, okay, well, like, do I need to leave space open in my schedule? Like, do I need to try to find something else? Do I? Because like, I got to pay rent at the end of the month. Yeah. Um, and I guess my kind of caveat to that would be like not everybody is on your schedule um and not everybody has your sense of urgency and that's okay but i will still say like it can be very very annoying when somebody isn't giving you all the information or is just just doesn't follow through or follow up or or anything like that so because like an action like that to me demonstrates like they're just trying to see if you are uh reachable mm-hmm. or obtainable you know right just like a quick check yeah of like i'm gonna like throw them a bone see if they catch on or not and if they don't respond how i want them to then i'm just gonna go look for someone else i suppose that's how that's how i feel when yeah. i get a message like that of like will henry text me back if i just like Give him something, you know? <laughs> yeah. I guess. I don't know. That might be a week. That might be a, a weaker red flag. Yeah. It's almost more of like a pet peeve. Yeah. Like, yeah, maybe I have some inner searching to do for <laughs> myself. Um, yeah. Any more on that one? Not, not really. I'm trying to find a way to make it a stronger point, but I think I'm just going to let that one die. Yeah. I think it, I, mean, I think it's fine. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Um, Let's see. My number two is, or is this three for me? This is two for you. Two for me. Um, Four in total. Right. What was I saying? Oh, um, promises of future work. Mm. Um, And it kind of ties to the haggling. Promises of future work, like, as part of those haggling conversations, um, but yeah, but generally like somebody saying, uh, I have a lot, I, I'm, I have a lot of work that I'd love for you to do down the road. Um, you and, scratch my back, I'll scratch yours kind of thing. Yeah. And especially 
especially when it's a part of the like negotiations, like if you do, if you can do this at a discounted rate, like I have more stuff for you down the road that we can do at full rate. Right. Um, we talked about Jamie Brindle on the last one, yep. I think. Yeah. Um, that's where I say like a, the Jamie Brindle tip is to say, okay, great. Uh, let's get that on contract. Like, great. You have more work to do. Um, you want to do a discount? Like, great. I'll write up a contract. We can get on like a retainer almost. And let's, uh, let's determine how many songs you want to do and what services and at what price over what time and, uh, and set up these payment dates for everything. And like, so that, that's my like kind of great counter to that kind of thing is like, great. If you have more work, like commit, let's commit to it. Yeah. I'd be happy to, yeah. um, I like that's That's great. Any, any freelancer would love consistent work that they know is coming down the pipe for the next six months or whatever. Um, but, uh, yeah, when it's like, uh, I can't afford this rate, but can you help me out? Can we, I can only do this much money, but I have more stuff for you down the road. Not, that's just not, that's just, yeah. Kind of like the other thing that almost always is never true. What, what am I saying? That is almost never true. Yeah. That there's more stuff coming down the road. Um, and I have, like very clear images of, of conversations that I've had about that. And I might do two very, very small things. And then, and then there's nothing after that. Yeah. No, no, not the mixes I was promised, not the consistent work I was promised, not the like, yeah, not it's, that guy. It, it ties in. I mean, I feel like everybody in the entertainment industry knows the exposure thing is always a red flag. I feel <laughs> yeah. like that kind of ties in. Almost speaks for itself to that. Um, yeah. Definitely. Of just like, yeah, if you do this, I'll give you this. Yeah. Like, you'll get more work. Like, there's going to be more people who are trying to, like, hit you up. Right. If you just, because I'm so great that if you, if you cut me a deal, I'll, I'll tie you into some of the other stuff that I'm doing, you know? Right. I'll yeah. tell you, I'll, I'll put your name in this box or whatever. Yeah. And it's just kind of an empty promise. Um and I really, I mean, I think the best solution is the Jamie Brendel thing of like, okay, great. Like I would love to do, I would love to, I would love to do that. I'd love to help you out. Um, yeah, let's do this one at a discounted rate and like, let's get a, like several more under contract with timelines and specifics down. Um, and like kind of almost like calling them on their bluff in a way. Yeah. And, and if they're like, oh, well, I don't really have anything scheduled yet but i know it'll come or any, anything like that or like non-specifics like or if they're not yeah i mean to, to, that's the red flag like yeah um don't be afraid to call people on their bluff a little bit i think and, and if they back off then you know like okay this probably isn't a good situation so like um i'm not going to do that discounted work right now I don't want to screw myself in the future. I don't want to mess up my schedule. This probably isn't worth it. This probably isn't going to have a long-term return on how well the song is going to do and how much exposure I'm going to get from it. It is not the situation that I am being presented. Like, um, red flag. Yeah. Red flag. Yep. Um, my last one kind of ties into my other ones, I guess, a little bit. But it's the... Um, 
just just an overall lack of direction and vision. I think this is more of a production red flag. Yeah. Of like getting in with an artist and they might play a little guitar. They might, you know, they sing, obviously. I hope so if I'm producing for somebody. But um, <laughs> usually. Um, it, it's the, and, and to make, to be an artist, you don't, I'm not saying you need to be a phenomenal stellar musician who, you know, knows the ins and outs of music theory and whatnot. But what I am saying is like, you need to come to a session with at least something to give the producer as far as direction goes. Yeah. Like there's been like, and it can be as simple as I feel like piano on this part would right. be cool. Just some kind of input. Yeah. Or at this point in the song, I want it to get to this level dynamics wise. The whole thing of like constantly asking the producer, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think I should do? Or um, I want it to sound like this song kind of thing where it's just these very big picture, either vision ideas or it's just a very like reference track kind of kind of thing where it's like I really like uh Justin Bieber I really like this Justin Bieber song so let's make a song exactly like this but they can't tell you necessarily what they like about that song yeah they get in the studio and all of the creative like workload is pretty much on you that might be another pet peeve to be honest for me that's a red flag to be like okay in the future this is not somebody that I want to collaborate with because for me personally when I produce I I try not to make it something where I'm like only offering them a service like Mm -hmm. you're going to get in here and we're going to talk and then I'm going to go play all the instruments and you're going to sit there and tell me what you like and don't like I try to make it like as collaborative as possible yeah if artists like plays a little bit of guitar I want I want them to play guitar on their song Mm -hmm. you know if they play a little piano, I want them to at least do something. But if somebody's coming in and they're not willing to contribute anything other than the written song in a vocal, for me, that's definitely a red flag Yeah, of somebody that I don't want to be collaborating on music with. Yeah. I just had like the same conversation with my friend Michael this week. We we're talking about kind of like our distribution of the different types of work we're doing, like our workload. Um, And I was talking about like, I really, I think I've kind of landed in a spot where I would really prefer my day to day to be mixing um, because I don't mind mixing. I don't really mind mixing a bad song because I love mixing a Mm. lot, but I just cannot produce a bad song because production is something that I love, but it is not as natural for me as mixing is. So, yeah, we were just talking about how I would, I kind of want to start. Michael. Yeah, Michael Gio. He's an amazing, incredible producer and mixer and chef. And barista, apparently. Oh, yeah, he's just good at everything. He's, he's an amazing person. I love him dearly. Um, yeah, uh, we were just saying, like, we, I, um, I want to be more picky about production and stuff because. I've just gotten to a point where I I just like dread doing the stuff where I'm carrying all the like creative decisions. Um, like you're saying the like just people who aren't as involved and aren't giving consistent input because um 
yeah, then every little decision falls on you. And when you just hit a point where you're tired and you're not cranking out decisions as much or you just slow down, the, the room slows down, like the process slows down. There's nobody else to like step in and keep the thing moving. Yeah. Um, so like when you run out of energy, session is kind of over. Um, and for me, because I'm not as naturally like more like raw creative production brain, that is just so exhausting for me. Um, so yeah, that that's, that's definitely a big one. I don't know how, as far as, um, like client acquisition or project acquisition. Um, I guess my follow-up question to that would be, are there ways that you can tell that that will be the situation when you're like fielding a project? I always, I tried one of two things, sometimes both. I go and get coffee with the artist mm-hmm. and try to ask questions that they're not really, unless they know, they're not really going to like work their way around it. And I think one of the biggest questions that I ask is, what do you value in your music? And I, within like a couple minutes of them talking about what they value, I kind of know where the project is going to go. Um, I think when people say, when I ask what they value, and then they start listing artists. I'm kind of, that's when, instead of being like, well, I value, um, I really value rich harmonic content mm-hmm. in the song. I really value syncopated rhythms, thing like pocket, pocket, groove, like, yeah. And, and, and said, they're like, well, I can't really tell you what I value, but, um, I really like this album and I really like this song on this album. And if you listen to that, you'll kind of get a sense of what I value. Like, mm-hmm. That's always a good question for me to ask. Um, another one that I ask, I ask the like, what do you want to do in 10 years question? Mm. Yeah. Um, and if I feel good about that coffee hang, then I'll do kind of maybe a quick session pro bono, getting scratches down, yeah. seeing just very casual, something where it's like, it's in my free time, I'm not really sacrificing much to be there. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of read the creative energy that's happening. Yeah, And that for a vetting process, as far as choosing artists to work with, works pretty well for me. Um, I haven't been duped yet on with those two things. So. Yeah, that's Co- a great like two-factor auth- authentication. <laughs> yeah, like can I just hang out with you over coffee Yeah, and talk with you about music for a long time? Mm-hmm. And then can I actually make music with you? Right. And between those two things, I usually know if this project is going to work out or not. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I would say uh, it's, it's twofold. Like most of the time when a session doesn't go well, there isn't very many times where I feel good about it and I feel like the artist feels good about it. Usually when there's bad session both people know mm-hmm. that it was a bad session. And most of the time it kind of just ends in like not much communication that leads to no communication to right. that leads to like the project just kind of fizzling out. Yeah. Um, which, you know, I would like for that not to be the case. I'd rather just, Hey, this isn't working out, but sometimes, sometimes that's just what happens. Yeah. Um, 
a little less conflict that way, I mm-hmm. suppose. Yeah. That, yeah, those are great ideas for that. Um, I feel Did like I so answer much... your question? No. Yeah, that was, okay. that was perfect. Um, I feel like that was really very rich content. <laughs> that was really good. Um, yeah, I think there's, there's so much to say there. That might be a good, another episode is like kind of serving the artist. Um, and like creative collaboration and, and that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, that was really good stuff. Um, I love asking tough qu- questions that are tough to just like shuffle around. Yeah. It's, it, I think it's good to just kind of ask like awkwardly honest questions mm-hmm. before you're starting a project to an artist. And if they can't answer them, in a way that's convincing at least and that's a that ties into the red flag of just not really being able to show up with something for a session mm. yeah ready right for next one yeah you got it um okay my last one is um shootouts shootouts i haven't done one of those before i have i, I kind of want to <laughs> Even though you're about to... Yeah, I'm about to shit on it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, uh, Yeah, I do not like them. I do not like them. Do you want to give a quick just overview of what a shootout could look like? Yeah, so I've done a mixed shootout before. um, And basically what that looks like is you do... Uh, um, basically it's almost like a competition between several different mixers. Kanye is known for doing this. Oh yeah. 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 Mixes. Um, some people even do it for mastering too, which to me is kind of silly. Um, yeah. So sometimes they'll, they'll get like a few different mix engineers. They send them a song. They don't want to commit to any of them. Um, but they want to see what they will do. So you do, everyone has sent the same song with all the same stems or tracks or whatever. And everyone sends a mix back and they pick the one that they like the best. And that person gets paid. Um, and I think it is such a, just, I, I feel like it, I'll be I'll 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 be strong about this. Yeah, go for it. I think that is such a bullshit thing that people do. And it is so detrimental to the community, like to our community. Mm. It just that it, it just guts the whole it, it totally guts our community and makes it more competitive. Um and it's just so I feel like it's just so disrespectful to people because it's like literally like if, if, if there's three people all charging $500 for a mix and you ask them all to do a shootout, you're getting $1,500 worth of free work because when you do a mix shootout, everybody's doing an entire mix and they're going to put a lot of time into it and effort into it because they want to win. So like they're spending a whole day on it. Um, to like if it's between three people 
there's a 66% chance that they're not going to get paid for the work that they've already done. Um, and it's more, that type of thing is more common in a situation where there's like an album on the line where they have a single from the album. We're trying to pick a mix engineer. Uh, we have a song. We're going to have a few people mix it. And that is like, I understand that perspective of like it, but but it kind of goes back to everything that we've already said so far. It's like promise of future work. Um, and it's just, I just think it's such an unhealthy practice mm. in the music industry. And um, uh, I mean, on some levels it is almost a standard, but it's almost like, to me, it's almost like how like, server's wages are a standard. Like when you work as a bartender or at a restaurant, like serving the restaurant pays you like $2 an hour. That's all that comes out of your pocket. And the rest of your wage comes from the customers. Mm -hmm. And that it, it's crazy to me that like at some point in history, like everyone was just convinced that that's a totally fine thing to do that. Like, yeah, restaurants don't need to pay for our, employees our customers who are paying us are going to pay for our employees yeah. that's kind of how it is to me if somebody wants to try out three different mix engineers they need to pay three different mix engineers to mix a song um because it, yeah it, it's just i mean i'm i haven't like thought about this in a long time and i'm getting heated about it again yeah, dude. <laughs> um yeah I, i'm not a fan of mix shootouts can i offer you a a, a counter scenario. Yeah, see. absolutely. I feel like if I was an artist and I wanted three different mixers opinions on it, I would try to choose the most important part of the song, the yeah. song that, and it might just be 30 seconds of like, please just focus on the, this 30 seconds of the song. We're all going to do it take a couple hours to do and we're all going to send it back maybe they do it you do it for free just for the sake of maybe getting a gig or you do it at a discounted rate and it's like just a couple seconds of the song get a taste it's almost like a preview and then choose it that way but i totally agree with you that a whole song of like mixing mm -hmm. and you're i'm because essentially like you are working for free until told otherwise yeah. In a scenario like that, or working at a significant discount, right? Um, I feel like I don't. I don't understand why that's not a thing. Of like, yeah, I'll send you the part that I think is the most defining of this song. You'll mix that part. Send me back a balance of that section, and then I'll choose mm -hmm. if if you should mix the entire song. Yeah, that that makes more sense. Um, I, I feel like it's it's hard there's a lot about a really great mix that happens outside of like just a chorus. True. I think a lot of a great mix, which could be another topic, like what makes a great mix Yeah, is contrast and like dynamically the differences between the choruses and the verse and all the nuance and stuff that happens over the course of the song and how it, how the arrangement moves yeah. and all the motion and the, and the dynamics throughout the whole thing. 
So in that situation, I feel like there's a lot of nuance that is lost and that nuance is what like it, those nuances are the stamp of a great mix. Yeah. Engineer. They separate. Cause when you get to a certain level, it's kind of like nuance is what's going to set you apart. Not just right. like basic. So I still feel like that's kind of selling things short. Yeah. Um, and isn't really a great representation of who the best mixer is. Um, but for or, the sake of a shootout, but for the sake of a shootout, I think, I feel like that is probably moving forward the only situation that I would do. And honestly, depending on the situation with the artist, I would probably still try to do it at a discounted rate. Yeah. And not for free. Yeah. Because um, I still got to set up a session. I got to import all the tracks. I got to figure it out. I get, it, it's weird because I'm getting dropped in the middle of a song. Like, I still have to spend some time on it. That, I mean, and... Your, your time is valuable. Um, so I think with that kind of thing, it would depend on the uh, what's at stake behind it. Like if it is, if someone's like, I have a 15 song album and it's for like a like good artist and the music is awesome and I really want to be a part of it. I would say like, yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll do it for free. I'll send me, send me a part of the song. Let's do it. But if it's like somebody that is, if the music is just kind of land, the producer is kind of land, it's not a relationship that you really want to invest into, then yeah, it's just, that's just a major red flag to me if, if somebody wants to do a shootout. Because it's just, it's everything wrapped into one. It, it's haggling, it's promise of future work, it's like, people not having a plan it's people looking for a deal instead of a relationship and a like um and a collaborator um yeah that's like my ultimate red flag and it it, it for me it doesn't happen it's very rare but that at this level but i know it happens a lot more um at higher levels especially with label stuff and i just think you know like people will say well that's just the way it is it's just how the world works just like how like people make 90% of their wages at a restaurant from the customers who are also paying the restaurant I think it's screwed up yeah um, and I wish that would change so uh, well it's only going to change I, if more people <laughs> say say no to shootouts yeah yeah say no to shootouts unless it's like something that you just cannot let go of yeah like yeah just uh I mean, if like, I don't know, I don't even know if, if 1975 <laughs> came to me and we were like, Hey, will you do a shootout with a, Hey, we really, we found your work. Love what you did on this song. Um, like, would you be willing to do a shootout with like Mike Crossy? I think he normally does their stuff. And I don't know, just someone else. Like I would be like, yes. Yes, absolutely. Yes, I want to. I, I don't even care. I, I just want to to be able to touch a raw 1975 yeah. song. That'd be sick in itself. That'd be, that's valuable in itself. But yeah, like. But it, I mean, but the whole concept of like, it can be touchy to be like, if this is a project that I would really want to work on, I feel like this is a good opportunity for me right now. A good opportunity for me right now at 23 might be an opportunity that I wouldn't even think about when I'm. 33 it, yeah and it might yeah kind of what we were saying before it could end up screwing you up yeah um and screwing up your schedule 
even and even the shorter term. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it is that perspective of like a year ago when I when I did a shootout. Um, I had not. I had no work. I wanted to mix right. so bad, and I was excited. I, I was like, I can get an album. Um, I've I'd never. I've still have not done an, a mixed an entire album. I've done EPs, but like a full record, like absolutely. Like I'll do it. I'll do whatever. Now looking back at it, I'm like, I mean, I literally remember texting my friends and being like. Hey guys, like, can you pray for me? Like, I really want this. <laughs> I really need this album. Like, if I get this album, I'm gonna be able to go full time. Like, my career is gonna take off. Right. It's gonna, it's gonna fix everything. Now I look back at it, I'm like, I would have made like three thousand dollars on that, and like that's three thousand bucks, but like that's not as big of a deal now. It would have just ended then. at three thousand. It would have just ended at three thousand dollars. Yeah. So, and in today's economy. Three thousand goes quick. I know three thousand dollars today is like four bucks. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like it's every grandparent. Like I remember when a piece of gum used to cost a penny. But now it's like five dollars. Three thousand dollars a year ago. Some we gotta talk about off off podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, I'm out of red flags. Yeah, and that was my ultimate one. Apparently, I I, I didn't know I was I uh, felt so strongly about it. <laughs> Until I started hashing it out, I, I still want to do one. <laughs> Even it can be kind of fun, and I, um, one of the people who was shooting it out was a friend, so we actually like compared our mixes, which was kind of fun. But um, yeah, I would do a shootout shoot if you, if you were involved. I'd want to be like, it'd be how, cool. How close yeah, could I get to Tanner's? Oh, <laughs> it will be. I mean, it is fun seeing different people's takes on the same material. Yeah, it is very cool. But like. That's not always, you're not always shooting out with a friend, so. If you want to compete, go buy some stems, or go download some stems from somewhere. Yeah, do like the, like, splice beat competitions yeah, or whatever. Yeah, just do something low stakes, your livelihood is not on the line. Right. Do it yeah. at your own time. Yeah. Yeah, well, those are my red flags. Um, before we hop off, I'm going to shout out that plugin that I was talking to you about earlier. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... First of all, I need to preface by saying uh, my my uh, hatred towards setting up the contact player has held me back from so many great plugins, I feel like, because it was just... I tried to set it up one time, and I remember it just being, like, painful. Yeah, it's and, kind of annoying. Yeah. I still don't really fully understand how it works. It's, it's, it's like a VST within a VST, right. almost. Um, anyways... But I did figure it out because this great company, Teletone Audio, gave me a step-by-step -step guide when I <laughs> bought this plugin on how to make it work with Contact. Um, and it is called Tempo. And it is a... With a Y. Tempo, tempo with, a y. with a Y. Because, man, like, drums are like the... It it's, has sucked in the past because drums are my favorite thing to do production-wise. Like, one of... Probably the most important thing to me is like the pocket of a song. Yeah. And that's most of the time that's when drums are usually what keep me from wanting to finish the song mm -hmm. because I can't get the drums to feel right. Yeah. Because especially freaking hi-hats. <laughs> yeah. Hi-hats are like so when, when, when programming drums because uh, I'm not a drummer. 
I'm gonna learn how to play though next year. Nice. Um, but this plugin is great. It's a sequencer, but it 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 reacts very human, and you can change a lot of things. The samples in it are great. It's super inspiring to use. It's inspiring to look at. There's just a lot of like directions that you can go with it. You can go from just straight down the middle, like jam band, jam band drums, to just like crazy hyper pop, whatever you mm. want, like kind of kind of drums. And I feel like I, I don't know. I got the plugin, and I've I have made so much music with it just because. It has destroyed my drum writer's block with just oh, how inspiring, just with how inspiring it is to use. Like, I love it when gear does that. Yeah, <laughs> and and like, the gear doesn't force me to use it, you know. But it mm -hmm. makes me excited to more excited to make music than I already am, I suppose. Yeah, um, definitely. So, if you're having trouble with drums, don't spend. Three hundred dollars on how, is that how much addictive drums cost? I don't know. I have no idea. Uh, and ex don't buy a crazy expensive drum BST where you have to load in your own samples and all that stuff. If you want something like quick, easy, and inspiring, the Tempo Teletone Audio. How much is Tempo? I think I got it for one fifty, and it should be way more. Yeah. There's like hundred and fifty dollars worth of samples in there. Yeah. Not to mention how great the sequencer is and the interfaces and. That was like a really polished, like sixty to ninety second ad for Teletone. You're welcome, Teletone. <laughs> Man, maybe we could get sponsorships. That'd be sick, dude. If we could get a sponsorship, that would be amazing. It would have to be like the like the right thing, though. Yeah, it wouldn't. Yeah, it wouldn't be just like Helix Sleep or like Athletic Greens, or like the yeah, like the, <laughs> the, like the podcast sponsors. It would be like things that. Like uh, matter. Yerba Mate. I really like Yerba Mate. It'd be great if we had like a, just a four pack before every session. <laughs> <laughs> I know uh, Allbirds does ambassador stuff too. And I was like, oh. A little pyramid scheme. Yeah. I don't think that there's any way that Allbirds would sponsor our audio podcast though. <laughs> what, shoe, what shoes are you wearing right now? Bro, Allbirds. Literally, <laughs> this is all I... Allbirds are the most comfortable shoe I've ever worn in my life. I have <laughs> Ever since stepping foot of one in San Francisco in uh, summer of 2019, I have never taken Allbirds off of my feet. They're that good. Mm. They're that good. Yeah, my go-to plugins right now, Pro, tool, uh, Pro Tools, <laughs> you know, uh, Pro Best. Q, Best Soothe, Tempo, uh, and I guess I have to throw a compressor in there. Uh, Shadow Hills. Yeah. Shadow Hills. I already mentioned my... My new yeah. little fave earlier, the VU compressor by Purified Audio. It is amazing. It's like, it's the perfect version of like an 1176. It's everything that you want and don't, and, and nothing that you, all the things that are like dumb about other 1176 plugins, they just got rid of it. And it's awesome. Do you like, do you have the UAD 76? Yeah. What do you think about those? I mean, th those are just classic. I feel yeah. like it's probably the best emulation of like a real deal thing. But um, it's a uh, you have a thing with the resizing. You can't resize their plugins, doesn't that? Don't you have a pet peeve with that? Oh, that's a uh, Matt's big pet peeve. Oh, gotcha. But um, I think they they changed. I think they updated that recently. Oh. Anyway, I all this gear talk. Update. 
Um, yeah, those are our red flags. Look out for them. Yeah. Ultimately, you're probably going to have to make the same mistakes. You got to learn. You got to live it to learn it. Um, my uh, my first live to learn lesson ever was. Never mind. I don't need to say it. It's fine. There was one though. There was one though. It was when I was little, and it was um, a good but completely pointless story for the purpose of this episode. So well, I'm just going to pretend like I didn't say anything. If you follow us on Instagram and then hit us up to get coffee, maybe Tanner will tell you that story. Maybe I'll tell you about the story where I wanted backyard baseball for my birthday Ooh. and um, I got it before I bought it before someone else bought it for me, but I opened both because I wanted want them to make them feel bad and then I couldn't return it to GameStop. And my dad said, Gotta live it to learn it. <laughs> Dude, my cousin and I used to play backyard baseball all the time. Great game. Um, yeah, our Instagram, the the podcast Instagram account is uh, at sessionnotes.fm. Mm-hmm. Um, we're both running that account, popping in for reels. Um, if you want to message both of us simultaneously without having to send two messages, mm-hmm. message us there. Yep. Um, my Instagram is hernyprack. One word, H E R N Y P R A K. Tanner's is Tanner dot Ledford, T A N N E R dot, period. Uh, I don't know another word for dot or period. L E D F O R D. And uh, yeah, hit us up. Yeah. Share the story. Share, share two of your stories. Share the podcast. Um, tag us in it. Hit us up. Um, I think both of us have gotten separately like a lot of really kind messages for the last few weeks about about things i've had some really cool things people have have said to me about listening to it so um i'm getting coffee with somebody on sunday who reached out to me that's amazing like yeah it's um whenever i get a message like that it just brings brings joy to me so pastor pastor tanner it just brings joy just feel it just uh fill enriches my fills my spirit like um yeah so Hit us up. That's not to say like we're fishing for compliments. But, no, like, absolutely. But not. just uh, there's an open line. Like hit us up. That's the whole, the whole purpose. Hit us up before you can't. <laughs> and you better smash yeah. that that follow button. Yeah. Smash that myth. <laughs> myth follow Pastor button. Pastor Tanner, you can't. You can't do that. Just like Jesus smashed the <laughs> grave or something. I don't know. Uh, Alrighty, y'all. Let's let's end this before yeah, we. Yeah, we're we're really derailing. Let's call it. All right, y'all. Peace.